Sorry, show guys, can blues. I, can I pause for a second and kiss my husband? Wow. Sorry. Kiss I the husband. He's, he's got to He's gotta go. Bye, boo. Bye, bye. We're leaving that in. Bye, bye. For love. Love you, we baby. We pause this All broadcast right, for love. <laughs> we temporarily interrupt this broadcast so Stan can get her Mac on. Yeah. Miggity Mac, Mac, Mac. Yeah. All the attack, tack, tack. Yeah. Oh, man. Now she's, str- <laughs> now she's like, you know. Listen. She's feeling herself. I hate to see now. him go, but I love to watch him walk away. Hey! <laughs> Sorry, what were we talking about? <laughs> Thank you for giving Tim I ass guess. the celebrity it deserves. It's true. It's <laughs> not a great ass. He doesn't mm. think so, but he's got a pretty good one. Um, what were we talking go. about? Uh, the, the we're talking about your husband's ass. Oh. That I, we, oh. we had no other point. That was it. <laughs> Left cheek, right cheek. Oh, he's gonna be so upset. This is a segment. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him. And I'm catch it by surprise. And if you're listening, you've you've swept the judges away, Tim. Perfect score. Perfect score, bud. Tens across the board, including the Russian oh, judge. Dad. Oh, you got time on the way I feel my I'm a woman's man. Knows how to talk. Music now. That's that's about right. Yeah, that's how day to day life is around there, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I mean, he walks in the back, house and the disco music hits. I mean, <laughs> he is pretty funky fresh, I have to say. <laughs> you are all weirdos. God. Hello, weirdos, Lenny! Hello, weirdos! Hello, weirdos. I'm Bailey. I'm Stan. And I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I think we keep that. I, I don't think we need to do anything other than that. I think we just keep I that and roll with it. That's beautiful. No, That no. works. That works. <laughs> Welcome to this week's disappointing episode of You Are All Weirdos. Uh, um, I want to, guys, I want to follow up with something from last week. So when we did Please. The, um, the, the John Oliver thing with the animatronics, I had uh, a thing this week where I kind of fell down an animatronics uh, wormhole. And I want to share with you guys. phrasing. I mean phrasing. Phrasing, that's fair. That's fair yeah. to call me out for when phrasing you're talking, that. When you're talking about Stan, animatronics. Stan, how many times have I said one of the scariest parts of this earth is Bales' Google browser history? (laughs) (laughs) Well, in this case, I'm going to tell you some real-life animatronic stories that have actually happened to me. Okay? Okay. Uh, There are two. Okay? So the first one I want to lead off. Now, you guys know that in my professional career, I have attended a lot of conferences, all sort of related to the live events industry in one form or another. 
Um, one conference that I've been to a few times, and it's been a few years, but I used to go every year to the uh, the Haunted Attractions Conference for, like, professional haunted houses. And you Ooh. would have, like the spooky makeup and you would have sound effects and fog machines and, uh, you know, of course, animatronics that were a part of this conference, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So depending on your booth location on this trade show floor, sometimes you'd get next to the spooky animatronics. Like one year I was next to this box that just kept rattling like there was something inside it. You know, like, like, ooh, it's scary. What's in the box? What's in the box? Right? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I did that one. But one year, and this is the year where I had to be on the trade show floor for four straight days. All right, and by the fourth day of breathing in all the the fog machine stuff, like your your lungs are feeling like crap. Uh, <laughs> oh god, but, that awful syrupy fog smell! I hate it yes. so much. <laughs> so I'm uniquely positioned on the trade show floor where I'm breathing in all of the uh, fake fog machine stuff. Uh, directly next to me is uh, a booth that has all kinds of swords and blades and really cool stuff. And, you know, me with my fight choreography background, I'm loving this, right? I'm like, this is really cool. But across from me, and I want to emphasize, this was four consecutive days of this. There was an animatronics vendor who didn't do the spooky, scary animatronics. Oh no, this was the cute, endearing, oh look at me, I'm so funny animatronics, right? So Mm. I spent four days directly across from an animatronic toucan that sang the same exact song on a loop for four days. And do you want to guess what that song was? Thomas, do you have a guess? I don't have a guess. I'm excited to hear, though. What was it? (laughs) For four straight days, an animatronic toucan singing Lou Bega's Mambo Number 5. For four days. A little bit of Monica. Da, da, da. A little bit of Monica. Da, da, da. That is a okay. Now, we can't keep doing that. We're going to get in trouble. People are going to hate us for the earworm that <laughs> All right. follows. Apologies to that, the listeners. That but is if a it rough makes one. you feel better, if it makes you feel better, there was a resolution to this. Because during the breakdown, on the Did end. Did you get of to the take it day, out into the parking lot and smash it with a bat? I talked to the blade. <laughs> That's good. I wish. Well, I wish I had gone full office space on that. It would have been believe amazing. Me. Yeah. It would have been the greatest. Yeah. It would have been therapeutic. He didn't <laughs> have a copy. He, no, no copyrights. Fair enough. Close second, close second. I went to the blade vendor next door and said, Hey, do you mind if I just borrow this sword for a second? <laughs> Walk over across to the other booth, and there's a photo of me, and we can put, I'll find it, we can put it up on the Instagram. There's this very deranged photo of me with this psychotic look in my eyes, holding the blade to the throat of the toucan, getting ready to nice. execute said toucan on the trade show floor. Nice. Uh, and that honestly in terms of real life work experiences that was one of the most ridiculous trade show experiences i've ever had in my life that goddamn animatronic toucan i still see it in my sleep i can't hear that song that stupid fucking song without thinking of that goddamn toucan and i hate it for existing who wants to think of that song at all exactly (laughs) lubega's accountant 
That's who wants to think of that song. Lou yeah, Bega's exactly. finance people. Yes. And Lou Bega. Keep getting them checks. You know, Keep getting them checks, Lou, Lou Bega. Second animatronic story from the Bailey Cannon. All right? And this, I swear to God, I had to Google this to make sure this was real. Because this is a surreal childhood memory. So I've talked before on the pod about um, being a kid and taking family trips to go to the Atlanta area and visit my southern relatives. Okay. Um, now, have you guys... Uh, you guys have all been to theme parks, of course. And we know that mm-hmm. there's like Six Flags parks that are all over the country, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, So there is a theme park in the Atlanta area, which is Six Flags over Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, now I went That's, there a couple of I times. I believe the original one. It's the second no. one. It's, oh, the, it's second the second one. one. Okay. Yeah, yeah the first sorry. one was in Texas. The second one opened in Georgia. And being a Georgia theme park, it's interesting. When they opened that park, they kind of did the Epcot Center thing where there were like different sections of the park that were meant to represent like different countries. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they had one that was America, a separate one that was just Georgia. But then there was another wing of the park that I kid you not was the Confederacy. There was a Confederate land at the park. Okay. Uh, you know, yeah. I saw a thing on YouTube, Defunct Land, that talked about um, how the six fla- or one of the six flags was the Confederate flag. So yeah. that tracks. Yeah, oh, that's wow. Worse. I figured that it was just because Bailey was going to theme parks and amusement parks right after the Confederacy lost. <laughs> Damn! Damn, son, that's your age joke. <laughs> hey, man. Whatever door you open, I'll walk through that shit. Okay. Duly noted. All right. So speak, So here's the thing. At Six Flags, there was a ride, and this ride has evolved over the years, but it was, you know, you're outside, it's hot, you need an indoor air-conditioned ride. Usually it's a water ride. So like at Disneyland, you have Pirates of the Caribbean or you have, you know, some equivalent, right? So this was a ride that was an indoor boat ride where you would go through this world of all these animatronics. And I Googled uh, the history of this very ride because back when the park first opened, it was a thing called Tales from the Okefenokee, which was basically like all these cute little animatronic like swamp creatures playing banjo and stuff. And you're going through the Okefenokee swamp with all the animatronics. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I remember that history. That's a fun That one. sounds kind of cute, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh. then, now, that was when the park first opened in like the 60s and 70s. I didn't go there till the 80s. All right. Now, when I went there, <coughs> that, that ride had evolved. <laughs> God damn you. Now, here's the thing, though. Now you would go through this ride and there were all these monsters and a lot of cute, friendly monsters and the monsters have invited you to a picnic, but you're going through the boat and you end up going into the dark side of the ride, which they called the marsh. And they said, don't go into the marsh. And that's where you would have all the scary monsters at the end. And it was dark and creepy. And on its own, the content of this ride is mostly okay. However, it was no longer known as Tales from the Okefenokee. Oh no, they had changed the name of the ride. And they've changed it again since. But do you know what the name of this ride was when I was a child? 
the Muff Divers. <laughs> I would have preferred that. You know what? Sorry, I, it was the first thing that We're came We're keeping that. That's good. No. <laughs> Sorry, Bailey. I shit Bailey. you not. Good. I shit you not. Marsh Monsters. You know, that would have been better. No, 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 no. No. The Marsh name... Munchers. <laughs> <laughs> We're never going to let Bailey say this. Sorry. Okay. The, the, the name of the ride, I shit you not, was the Monster Plantation. Oh. I'm not oh. even making that up. And here's the I'm thing. Glad, I'm glad Stan and I made the jokes before you gave us the real name. Oh. Yeah, so that's name. a <laughs> Guess what year? It's awful. Guess what year the Monster Plantation opened? 86. 1981. 1981, and we've got a plantation ride. And here's the thing. When did it not? Uh huh. 2008. What? That is too long. It took Obama getting elected to have it no longer be the Monster Plantation. It is now known as the Monster (laughs) Mansion. And they've changed it up a little bit. But here's the thing. At the end of the Monster Plantation ride, and again, I was a kid. I didn't have context for some of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the ride, the sort of like animatronic narrator of the boat ride ends up rescuing you from the um, the dark, scary monsters with a cannon with a Confederate flag on it. <laughs> and that's oh. what saves you, the theme park guest, <laughs> from... Oh my god. I will put up, there is a YouTube video of just a ride-through of the Monster Plantation, and you would have never thought that this, I mean, again, if you didn't call it the Plantation on its own, it's mostly fine. There's not a lot of, like, weird, objectionable stuff to it. But if you talk to, and I'm sure we have listeners in the South who grew up going to Six Flags and have this, like, plantation name totally normalized. Like, if you go through, like, I went through, uh, like, some TikToks just trying to see what was out there about this, right? It seems like the internet has tried to scrub itself of the Monster Plantation, but the Monster Plantation was real, and there are kids out there who really, like, long for the days of the monster plantation uh and i'm just thinking about this think about this like if you are outdoors going to a theme park on a hot humid southern day you want to beat the heat and go on that air-conditioned boat ride man ask an african-american family to cool off on the plantation ride and see how that goes i just it, it astonishes me that this was a normalized thing in the south and from my childhood like, because I remember being like nine or ten years old, not knowing shit about the Confederacy or the Civil War, and be like, I want to go on the Monster Plantation, because it was cool for, for kids that age. I, I loved that shit uh, at the time. So, anyway, that's my weird animatronics uh, story. Any, any thoughts on, on the existence of the Monster Plantation? <laughs> I mean, Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Like they Hot Lana, baby. Uh, uh, I, 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 I can't say I agree with any of that. But uh, also very San Francisco liberal bubble here, so Absolutely. Abso freaking lootly. 
I will say, tying it back to the Red Dead Redemption content from last week, I mean, there's a part of me that would love to send Arthur Morgan to the monster plantation and just see what shop he would wreck. I mean, because honestly, the politics of Red Dead Redemption 2 are actually fairly progressive when you consider like how you get to kill a bunch of racists and stand up for Native Americans and things mm-hmm. like that. I think there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. Um, yeah. All right, Stan, how much do you love your coffee? I love my coffee so much, Bailey. If it were legal, I would marry it in several states. Well, whether you're committing polygamy across state lines or just having a delicious cup of coffee, discover the rich taste of tradition with Henry's House of Coffee, a San Francisco-based family business since 1965 with over three generations of family. They roast dark, smooth, never-bitter coffee. Visit henryshouseofcoffee.com or download the Henry's House of Coffee app and use promo code WEIRDO, that's W-E-I-R-D-O, for a 15% discount on your next order. Our friends at Henry's House of Coffee are offering this discount exclusively to listeners of this show. Experience the legacy in every cup with Henry's House of Coffee. And we are back to your all weirdos with Bales, Stan, and Thomas. And uh, I figured I want to talk to you a couple weirdos. It's it's that time of year where it's still pretty cold out. I, I think the Bay Area is getting buckets of rain yeah 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 we had an atmospheric weather yeah nice it was a nice day on the east coast for me but it's been uh, a little snow some rain um overall though pretty docile but i know that as we've gotten older that rainy season has pushed back into the years just like that heat from the sun the summertime has kind of pushed back in, in, into the a couple months later and um man we've just been talking lately y'all about uh what's been happening and there's a little bit of the uh the weather ick going around just, uh, just sort of the stand you just ha- got to do some theater gigs and you had that post theater ick to yeah. go with the weather ick and I just feel like it's a cool thing for us to chat about because I know the listening weirdos also kind of get the icks uh, around weather time around post highs you must have been having a blast and high energy and lots of people in you want to talk about your ick at all (laughs) yeah i mean it it was it was a blast for a while and it was nice to have you know something to kick my ass out of the house for a little while and now this week i've just yeah i've kind of been on a downswing in general um and it's and on this festival gig, you did what twenty one shows in eighteen days, something like that. Uh, so well, I mean, I didn't I don't work that much, uh, but I did have twenty one shows in across three weeks. I don't know if it was eighteen days. Uh, I I haven't done the math on that, but uh, yeah, I mean, when I say shows too, it was mostly stand up shows. So it was mostly just trying to not have a heart attack every time a stand up would show up late. Um, yeah. but, uh, so every time, so every show basically, <laughs> yeah. um, 
uh, if uh, if uh, y'all aren't aware, stand-ups, uh, they are worse than mu- mu- musicians when it comes to showing up when they're supposed to. <laughs> no. Not to be confused oh. with magicians who seem to appear every time right on time. Oh, <laughs> I will tell... Do you know how many magicians I know and how fucking courteous they are to their call times? I will tell you. Every time, right on time. time. Every time. Stand-ups cannot get to their fucking place on time to save their life. (laughs) When I worked at a live music venue, I often wished I had a magic wand to wave to make artists show up on time. Ugh. I can I, imagine. I don't want to tell too many tales out of story, uh, out of too many tales out of school. But uh, there was uh, a one night in particular. Uh, we had eight stand-ups performing, and six of them showed up after door after the show was supposed to start. They showed up in that ten-minute hold. Yikes! I think a part of it is this low-key like undertone where if I show up later, they still want me to go. So then I get more time yeah. as a headliner. Exactly. Yeah. But no, it's t- did they come with the heat? Some of them did. I will say some of them. You know, it wasn't worth the effort to worry about them. Yeah. <laughs> But dude, the the itis that you're you're describing that post show blues isn't that like super common? Bales, we've we've known each other a long time. You get them post show blues. I, can I pause for a second and kiss my husband? Wow. Sorry, kiss I the husband. He's, he's got he's got to go. Bye, boo. Bye, bye. We're leaving that in. Bye, bye. For love. Love you, we baby. We pause this All broadcast right, for love. <laughs> we temporarily interrupt this broadcast so Stan can get her Mac on. Yeah. Miggity Mac Mac Mac. Yeah. All the attack, tack, tack. Yeah. Oh man. Now she's, str- <laughs> now she's like, you know. Listen. She's feeling herself. I hate to see him now. go, but I love to watch him walk away. Oh. Hey oh. <laughs> Sorry, what were we talking about? <laughs> Thank you for giving Tim I Cass guess. the celebrity it deserves. It's true. It's great he doesn't think so, but he's got a pretty good one. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, the, the we're talking about your husband's ass. Oh. That I, we, oh. we had no other point. That was it. <laughs> Left cheek, right cheek. Oh, he's gonna be so upset. This is a segment. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him. And it by surprise. And if you're listening, you've you've swept the judges away, Tim. Perfect score. Perfect score, bud. Tens across the board, including the Russian oh, judge. Dad. Oh, you got tell on the way I'm a world of knows how to talk. That's that's about right. Yeah, that's how day to day life is around there, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I mean, he walks in the back, house and the disco music hits. I mean, <laughs> he is pretty funky fresh, I have to say. <laughs> um, but going back to what you were saying, Thomas, so we could keep things on track. Um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's always like a post show kind of, you know, you get to know a certain group of people for uh, a very uh, brief amount of time, a very uh, 
strong amount of time between like rehearsals and sound checks and the show and stuff and then it all just kind of disappears and that's just sort of the theater mentality you know i mean i think it's why a lot of a lot of uh, theater people are drunks too it's just you know it's a it's a hard you know like <laughs> that's emotional support <laughs> you know i mean <laughs> It's it's yeah. it's not an easy you know you get to become friends with these people and then you you know you try to you try to support each other and see each other's shows and stuff but inevitably because we all work in theater we all miss each other's stuff that whole cycle of things now I'm getting to be a bummer y'all made me a bummer well to be fair the topic was ick so it, yeah, it that's true. goes to bummer it, yeah. it's not it's it's not that big of a jump. Yeah, it, it's a bummer, but you just got to see your husband's perfect score butt walk away from you. So it's not like it's all bad right now. <laughs> uh, it's true. I mean, I get the, to tap that ass, so. The, the post-show. <laughs> he is going to hate this episode. Hey, yo. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. I'm not. So, (laughs) no regrets. That's super com. That's super common, though. After after shows, and frankly, like after those high uh, intense like um, uh, experiences, whether it's uh, work experiences or the people that go freaking jump out of airplanes together they're just like wow we're bonding you know it's different strokes for different folks bales i assume with like music festivals you can have a little bit of the itis uh the ick uh after that but for you you yeah it's the exhaustion factor after a music if you're doing a multi-day music festival you need time to recover it's the Mm. exhaustion factor you know I'll tell you the worst. One time I flew home from a festival we were doing on the East Coast and I got food poisoning and I like flew with what was essentially a viral infection in my intestine uh, caused by some bad food and I flew cross country. It was not fun. That was one of the worst flights of my life. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Not every show is like that. Thank God. Sure. Um, Hopefully not, dude. Otherwise, yeah, why no, are you going why, back? Why would you do it? Why do it again? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Same time like, next I, year. <laughs> only had. I've literally had food poisoning twice in my life, and both times it was related to food I had at work. Lame. That's not fun. I know. It's not. It's not. <laughs> I remember one time uh, I, I was coming from Vegas. I thought I had food poisoning. Um, and so I, I, you know, came back on the plane. A week later, my partner at the time got it too. So I, like, realized I had a stomach flu. It wasn't food poisoning. Oh no. I felt so bad. I probably infected a lot of people on that plane. This was pre-COVID, by the way. So... <laughs> Let me put this one out there as far as flights from hell. Have either of you ever thrown up on a plane? Uh, no, but I thought I was going to that time I came back from Vegas. 
I have once, and it was on a flight home from Vegas. Hey. All right, Stan, how much do you love your coffee? I love my coffee so much, Bailey. If it were legal, I would marry it in several states. Well, whether you're committing polygamy across state lines or just having a delicious cup of coffee, discover the rich taste of tradition with Henry's House of Coffee, a San Francisco-based family business since 1965 with over three generations of family. They roast dark, smooth, never-bitter coffee. Visit henryshouseofcoffee.com or download the Henry's House of Coffee app and use promo code WEIRDO, that's W-E-I-R-D-O, for a 15% discount on your next order. Our friends at Henry's House of Coffee are offering this discount exclusively to listeners of this show. Experience the legacy in every cup with Henry's House of Coffee. Well, what do you feel like after, you know, when you have like a, a big long break in between gigs? Oh, I know nothing about that right now. Jeez. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually like this week, speaking of ick, like I'm just literally, my, my kid and I are both sick. Like she got something, so of course mm-hmm. I got it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which did free up some extra recording tonight time today. Uh, though I, I yeah. think I probably sound. I'm not sure how great I sound, but sound uh, fine. I mean, you sound very white, sexy. Ooh. That's only a, that isn't that the goal when That's you're sick? Nice. Is this, is this sound like Barry White? I just sound more like a chipmunk, but I feel like that's that's the ultimate goal. Would that make Bales Don't Alvin? Make... No, or it makes Simon. Bales Barry White Boy. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever. You've got a face for <laughs> podcasting, so... Damn. Damn, son. It's true. Barry it's true. White no, Boy. No one's denying that. Balesy White Boy. Deny that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Barry White Boy. That's, that's... That was always going to be like my signature. If ever I was in a sketch comedy group, that was going to be like my signature character. I'd be Barry White Boy. Barry White Boy? Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, Stan, did I ever tell you the idea I had for a sketch for your sketch comedy group? No. I thought about this uh, during the I thought about this during the last episode when we were recording the Colin Kaepernick stuff. So I had this idea for we did a thing to do a sketch about Colin Kaepernick, but the joke was that none of you could actually do the sketch because you're all white. <laughs> so the idea is we really wanted to write this sketch about Colin Kaepernick, but we really didn't think it was appropriate. And then at the end of the sketch, Tim walks out with a giant afro wig and a Kaepernick jersey and you like get him off the stage. No, no, honey, no, 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 get back. No, no. <laughs> so here's the that thing. That was my idea. The problem There's a lot of problems that with that sketch. sketch. Start where do you want to start? Well, it kind of happened to us in real life. <laughs> really? Is we did this event. It was the it was a corporate event that was the worst I think we can all agree it was the worst experience ever. We had, we, okay. Go on! <laughs> oh my god. I, oh, you guys okay. aren't the corporate, so, you aren't the corporate comics that get hired to do this. That's not No, good. no. So, we're not. But what ha- happened was, there was this, uh, <laughs> Girls in Tech, Tech Crunch <laughs> event. Oh, no way. 
it was a tech crunch event specifically for like high school girls right so to to get them involved in coding and stuff and i think it was yeah. like a two or three day thing and what we were build as let's say was the entertainment after everybody finishes their tech crunch so here we have all of these like girls of you know everywhere coming from everywhere different backgrounds everywhere fucking exhausted having to listen to a bunch of like 30 year old sketch comedians in an office with a projector screen that never actually turned off by the way it was just this giant blue screen in the back of all of our sketches Uh uh-huh on us the whole time nobody knew how to turn it off um and we're like we that sounds very high tech by the way yeah yeah we had a couple of new pieces um but there was this one joke that we made i i couldn't tell you maybe when we get my husband on because he was in the group too he can remember there was one joke we made that offended the producers uh it was something about i don't know if it was a cross-dressing joke or if it was like a trans joke i don't know but it offended one of the producers of the event to where they were like yeah you can't do that kind of stuff and so me and one of the chicks while the other two performers are on stage performing we're backstage going okay cut all the gay stuff cut all the gay stuff this is is terrible and it got to the point where literally like poor two of them on stage were like trying to cue us to get on stage like trying to go like where's that waiter i wonder eventually i like had to like kick out Layla and get them on stage and then at the very end I just ran out and went have a good night everybody bye like we had to like cut it was like the spinal tap of sketch shows I have one question (laughs) yes did y'all get paid in full I don't think (laughs) I got paid I thought they were just doing it for exposure Oh no! I don't oh, think it no. was a bad gig. <laughs> don't you do free cut corporate sh- gigs ever. I, you shouldn't have cut shit. <laughs> you shouldn't have cut shit. If you're doing it for the exposure, you got to oh, do your bit. Man, it was it was one of those like nightmare scenarios of life. Thanks. Likely dated material by this point. I I couldn't even tell you what the thing was. It was I feel like it was a harmless joke. It might have even been like I think I think Tim just came out in an uh, my husband came out in an Amy Winehouse wig. I paid to and see like, that. Yeah. Interesting. Right? You could probably like, recycle that same wig for the Colin Kaepernick sketch. Probably. <laughs> no. <laughs> Different volumes. Yeah, really. you'd have to you'd have to really tease it out sideways oh, and then you'd I know a good wig guy. Way too much oh, okay. work. <laughs> you know that wig guy too. Probably. Yeah, you know him. <laughs> um shit what were we talking about i i remember i used to i used to have these moments after shows where you know where i was going right into another show or right into uh knowing that work was about to kick up and i was needed a lot of my time made up 
in some of those instances, like the the uh, the ick that came at the end of the shows was kind of off put because you just sort of like you you have a quick morning or like oh you know uh, reminiscent time and you move on to being excited about the next thing but when you don't have the next thing to immediately get excited about then you're left with just the reflection on the good times past in essence so I always enjoyed being able to do those post show rundowns with people that came in the form of a cast party most of the time because y'all just got to let loose and have a blast and and just be the people with this long-standing inside joke that came from you know working together on this art uh (laughs) for for however long y'all did see even you're giggling now like it's totally part of the coolest like things uh, uh, uh about the community are those little uh moments of getting to do that wind down and and when you don't have something that you become immediately excited for or you don't have something to be to immediately move on to that's a hard bonding experience to bounce back from because you put so much of your energy into doing the show or into getting the project up um and so it's an interesting thing for us to talk about the itis because all of us have that experience and all of us have lived in mental spaces where some of those days we like just don't feel like it whatever it is like no thank Mm -hmm. you Uh, so i feel like we should talk a little bit more about this because right now all all of us are having like ebbs and flows of what that looks like uh Mm -hmm. in this moment and for different reason um, I'm feeling pretty all right. I'm learning a lot of, about a new job and a uh, new company, and all of that is driving cool in the snow. And, and frustrating. I mean, I've driven in the snow. It hasn't been bad here. The roads are awful already, and the drivers are from Rhode Island. Uh, so what I've been focused on <laughs> is drive in a way that makes me as I make whatever aggressive move I'm about to make I say hey I'm fucking from here <laughs> drive like you're fucking from here <laughs> Narragansett no Quahog Quahog Grinder Grinder go down to the deli and have a fucking grinder huh Oh, I thought you were talking about the app. Oh, he's from <laughs> I just hooked up on Grinder, guys. <laughs> Thomas, did you uh, delete your Grinder account? <laughs> Aww. Oh, you mean the one I used all of your pictures for and your personal Smart email? Smart. Did you? Did, did you get guys for you? Did you get you tired of all of yeah? I upgraded your plan and got ah. you a couple more emails. <laughs> <laughs> all 
right, but seriously, man, like, you've asked us kind of how we're doing. So you're living in, in like, real winter for the first time. Like, you're, you're doing okay with, like, the seasonal effective stuff. You're doing all right? I've been busy, so I haven't had too much of that. Um, but there was definitely... <laughs> okay, there was a day where it, there was a little break in a couple of rainy days that had been coming and, and, and it was threatening to snow but it hadn't really snowed then there was a day where it was just sunny and a little bit warmer out than it had been and I was like you know what I'm going to get out for a bit go explore a little bit I might try and find like a park to be in and I drove past this cool looking basketball court and I was like oh man I don't have a basketball right now let me go buy a basketball. So I went and I bought a basketball. And by the time I got out of the parking lot, it was fucking snowing. So <laughs> I took my brand new basketball right on home with me. And uh, it's just in my car. It's just been in my car since. I haven't used it. It's unfortunate. I'll use it soon. Played so you've played no pickup since you've been out there. Nah, bro, I don't even know where to find pickup out here right now. I haven't seen a soul. I have heard one child dribble a basketball in his own loneliness and desperation. And I heard that dribble, and I'm just like, same. Same, bro. So, um, I think yeah. listeners should email the show if they want to play pickup basketball in Providence, Rhode Island. Aww. Holler at me. Uh, I can be a good teammate, or if you want to talk some shit, I will make you regret it. Hey. <laughs> There's an ad for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the Thomas things, uh, playing sports, doing the same shit <laughs> he did over and over again. Action. Thomas the J. Thomas shoots the J. <laughs> Fights the action. Three! All right. You know, real quick segue. Because on an earlier episode, we talked about... It was a basketball-related thing. Uh, on a previous mm-hmm. episode, we talked about how my Roman Empire is the NBA trade machine. And I plug in fake trades and look at this. And mm-hmm. I do this on a daily basis. So yesterday was what basketball fans uh, unofficially refer to as... Woj bomb day. Cope. Speaking of fake holidays, uh, a Woj bomb. Just so you know, Stan. Uh, Kobe Bryant day. For, it, oh. It, Kobe Bryant never got traded, so no, it's not Kobe Bryant. Yeah, no, no. Yesterday was Kobe Bryant day. Oh, okay. Two eight two four, brother. We're talking about two different things. Uh, but all right, so Woj Bomb Day is named after ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, who is sort of like the leading. He's always got the scoop. He's always the the journalist who has the basketball related story first. So okay. when he drops that news on Twitter, it's known as a Woj Bomb. Ah. Okay. So yes. So yesterday was the NBA trade deadline. It's the last day that teams can make trades during the season and. I get hyper-focused on this because I uh, just love the math of the problem-solving. And all I'm going to say do you, is... Bailey. I know. It's my dorky thing. But I'm just telling <laughs> you this. What's exciting to me about this trade deadline as a basketball fan is 
it's the best New York Knicks team in 25 years. And when the Knicks are good in the playoffs, the NBA playoffs are so much more entertaining. And that's what I'm really excited about. Is Madison Square Garden is going to be a stage for some legit, awesome basketball theater. And that's all I want as a fan. Nice. I'm not far enough uh, away for that not to be a pod, like uh, on my mind. Like... It would be really cool. I don't give a shit about the Knicks. It would be really cool to go watch the Knicks in the playoffs at the Yeah, Mecca. I'm not a Knicks fan, but I would, I would love to see the Garden. And when the Garden is, is rocking, there's nothing better. I'm still thinking about the word Wojbom. Yeah. yeah. Wojbom. <laughs> ba- so, ba- Bales, would you, consider, uh, would you consider the trade simulation... Uh, a part of how you get to deal with your icks. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, it's one of those things where I just sit on my phone and, and, and mess around with it, right? I mean, it's like everybody's got that thing they do on their phone as a time waster, right? Like, every, like remember Candy Crush? When everybody was playing Candy Crush a few years ago? That, this mm-hmm. is my Candy Crush. I sit there okay. and I do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a great brain engagement math problem problem solving time waster thing yeah but i fixate on it because i'm a weirdo (laughs) and this knowledge brings you like joy i mean joy obviously but like do you ever get to use this information here's what i here's what i use it for it informs he uses it to blow my phone up oh my he uses it to blow my phone up Okay, I didn't text you once yesterday during the deadline. I will have you know. <laughs> that is accurate. Not one time did I text you yesterday, young man. That, uh, I guess I'll that's a Bales that. bomb. Bales yeah. bomb. <laughs> no, no, bomb is giving it far too much credit. It's not even a firecracker. <laughs> it's a. It's somebody handed Bales a Zippo and look what happened. <laughs> flick, flick, flick. Bales flick. poof. <laughs> Yeah, Bales. actually, that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> not bad. Oh, no, you know what it'd be? It'd be the Wiley Coyote bag gun. <laughs> so it's, it's a Bales bag. <laughs> <laughs> the number of times that I have followed the trade down a rabbit hole only for it to be a tunnel painted on a brick wall and I smash it. <laughs> <laughs> And there's a Bailey-shaped hole in the wall right where I go through. Just, yeah, straight up like Wally Coyote. <laughs> this is how my brain works. It's all right. It's amazing. Never change. Never change it. No, thank you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> you know, I'll put, in the, uh, I'll put in the episode comments, there's a link to a TikTok uh, where my wife proves that the NBA trade machine is my Roman Empire. Uh, there's actually a series of these TikToks, but I still don't quite get the Roman Empire thing. So like, it's Roman just Empire. what guys think of. No, so acknowledge him. Well done. Stan has no idea what that is. We'll, we'll get I to that am later. so confused. Okay, that's right. So the Roman Empire is essentially a thing that happened on TikTok where. Um, Women would ask their boyfriends 
how often do you think about the Roman Empire? Because apparently there's a, there's a legion of guys who think about the Roman Empire all the time. I've never thought about the Roman Empire. Not once. You know, but apparently, okay. like that, so that became the whole thing. Not about, since history oh, class. <laughs> and, then it, and then it became, what is your Roman Empire? What is the thing that you okay. always constantly think about? You know, so everybody's That's... got their own Roman Empire, whatever it might like, be. Like, I found out a, I, I found out about it the first time on the Jason Momoa SNL sketch. So it's just very, con- it's it was already a yeah. thing and gone by then. So I'm I'm still kind of, I, I'm old, you guys. I, I don't know about the TikToks as well as I used to. What about a vine? You guys got any vine? you want to talk about the vines are all on tiktok now yeah how about a periscope you guys got some periscopes you want to snapchat snapchat a little snap you'll be my friendster will you be my friendster (laughs) (laughs) listen i just got an email from my live journal saying having a live journal I, I was just going to ask you if you still have one, Stan. I, that thought one, I, I was going to ask you in jest, and, and then you just busted out that accurate <laughs> and honest information, just offered it up. The punchline to my joking question <laughs> is just a fun fact you got. I oh my goodness. I just dunked on myself. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Boy. Can't dunk on me if I dunk on myself first. <laughs> I can't remember if I said this on the podcast before, but I also, before I had a live journal, I actually had a free open diary, and I was so cool, I was so cool, because I wanted it to be, uh, like, uh, do you remember that, again, SNL sketch, do you remember that um, Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy? Oh, Jack Handy, absolutely. I called, my username was Hack Jandy, because I was Uh. in high school and thought I was... Really fucking. This hard. explains a lot. Oh, this boy. reveals so much of your character. <laughs> I, I kid you not. If tripod websites still exist, somewhere out there is like a GeoCities tripod site that I made for a college class. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it exists out there somewhere. <laughs> Do you guys smell that? What's that? I smell a transition. <laughs> we picked up a weirdo all right we have a special treat for the weirdos out there you've heard us uh make reference uh to this man uh in fact earlier in this show uh we gave his rear end the celebrity it deserves uh i would like to ten bring stars Woo, ten stars ten stars from behind if you know what i'm saying uh, we're going to bring on uh, Stan's man. He's the number one Stan Stan. Yes, we're bringing on Tim. Tim, welcome to the <laughs> podcast for the first time. Uh, Tim, you have been, I think it's fair to say, you have been uh, our number one fan, listener, supporter. We are so thrilled to have you here. You are um, our equivalent of the four weirdos outside the Arconia on Only Murders in the Building. You are you are our Stan Stan. You are our super fan, and we love you for this. Uh, so Sup, thank you for coming dude. on the show, man. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm a big fan. Uh, long time, first time. Um, <laughs> I have just I've just been uh, played the audio of. Uh, what, several minutes of, of you all discussing my ass? Uh, which you know, to be is fair, not... your wife brought it up. 
Thank you. I mean, Thank you, honey. You're welcome, baby. <laughs> um, she brought I, it up. He backed it up. It's a whole thing. I, I was excited to come on the show. As I said, I'm a fan. Uh, I was not expecting that as a lead-in, um, but I, I am flattered. That's, that's very lovely now. of all of you. Thank you. You yes, have no absolutely. idea how convicted John was to the idea of making sure we started this segment around your ass. Around <laughs> your ass. <laughs> Uh, this would be yeah, the perfect no, I, time to have a sponsor for like a belt company. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. That anything, anything you would you would say behind my back, you would also say to my face. This is true. This yeah. is true. Yeah. Also, for the listeners, I would just like to say, uh, for the record, Tim is more than just an ass. He is a fantastic gentleman and a great husband. So, thank you, honey. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Love it. I You're love him for his mind ass, and Tim. his body. Ow. <laughs> hey yo um yeah no i i i have been listening to the show and uh stan's mentioned me a few times you all have uh, uh, brought up my name a few times and uh i know caitlin beat me onto the show which is which is awesome uh but i wanted to come on and and say hi and have the chance to uh represent myself as opposed to just being uh, a name that people have heard and don't have any context to so, hi, hey weirdos. Hey weirdo. <laughs> Tim, Tim, you know the rules. When you come on this show, there's one, there's one question you have to answer. All right. So, Tim, what makes you a weirdo? Um, I actually, <laughs> I grew up as a weirdo. You know, I grew up in San Francisco. I was raised by weirdos. I was surrounded by weirdos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was raised in the in the in the faith and the tradition of weirdoism. Um, <laughs> I I moved away when I was a teenager, and it was kind of at that point in my life that it even occurred to me that there were alternatives. That that the alternative lifestyle that I had been living, I didn't realize there was an alternative to that. That normal people actually existed, and that you could <laughs> leave the weirdo life behind. Uh, so I did, I, I had that opportunity, um, and then I moved back to San Francisco, and that was where I discovered the dark room, and met all of you weirdos, and uh, I've never looked back, I, you know, weirdo all the way. Nice. So what, what, when you said you left the weirdo lifestyle behind, <laughs> can you talk a little bit more about sort of like what, what your norm core phase or whatever that was? Tell me like the differential there besides just geography. Well, the um, I mean, we can we can debate what normal even is, uh, but where I lived for for about ten years was in Ashland, up in Oregon, and that is a town that uh, has a has a lot of artistic weirdos and a lot of kind of uh, uh, space for people to be odd and unconventional. But it's, it's weird also, in its own right, for sure. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, you know, being a teenager and having kind of like people who had not grown up in the Bay Area and understood what the opportunities were to be creative and 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 be kind of whoever you imagine yourself to be, and had had kind of lived in in the default world for their whole lives. And to, for me, as as a as a person to kind of encounter that for the first time, 
as a as a teen was something where you know you're, you 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 know in particular that you're, as a teenager you're trying to define yourself and figure out what you want to be and who how you fit in with the the, the culture that surrounds you um, and that was that was a, a, a time when I was. I, I, I dabbled in, in uh, uh, being normal. I don't know if I ever fully succeeded. Uh, certainly, to the, the, the people who knew me at that point can, can uh, weigh in if they, if they ever uh, hear this. But uh, I did try. I attempted. How'd that work out for you? I mean, you, you ended up back on the weird side, and we love you for it. I, I, uh, I feel like after 10 years of, of being away from the Bay Area that uh, I, I had kind of settled into a, into a point where, uh, you know, I was uh, going to school up there and I, I had a, a kind of a, a regular job and was, was setting up, setting myself up into a life where I could have stayed there and, and kind of built the, the life and relationships that I uh, kind of, people in uh, uh, a, a default world can have and and would would uh, you know I could I could have had picket fence and and uh, whatever whatever else uh, lifestyle it comes with it and I said I gotta I gotta go back to San Francisco I gotta get involved in the arts I gotta find people who are weird and unconventional and creating new things and that that's so exciting to be around that like I, I i miss it so much so tim this leads me to an important question i i want to ask you to speak to you made some awesome films as a teenager some <laughs> of which i have gotten the pleasure of viewing uh I have also seen the hairstyles that you rocked uh, throughout your life. Uh, so I suppose this is a two-parter. One, embarrassing hairstyle, of course. Tell us Ooh. about it. Talk to it. Secondly, uh, to this one, uh, can you talk about your videos growing up and sort of what role uh, that outlet played for you in your weirdo normal pursue the weirdo dynamic growing up um the <laughs> what what what's what hair are you talking about here bro you you <laughs> got you have some like blonde dyed tips at one point what? that I, I swear you. Tips. I swear I you had like this, this uh, weird blonde dyed tips in one of your videos. You looked I, like you were a Backstreet Boy, and and it oh stood no! out to me. No, I so think I, just I think you to... have me mistaken with somebody else. My 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 baby never frosted tips. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm pretty. Sure. <laughs> he was blonde when he was a kid, though, right? You were you were pretty there... toe headed. There, there are actually like baby photos of me having uh, some blonde hair, but uh, not since then. No, I think I, I think I see where um, the, the the misunderstanding comes from because there is a uh, video that I made with some friends of mine uh, around 2001 
where uh, we had, um, I had access to a, a digital video camera, which was advanced technology for the time. And uh, so a couple of my friends uh, were martial artists and we kind of hatched this plan to ad hoc kind of create a, a video of like a very brief, low budget martial arts movie. There is a, one of the guys in it has blonde hair. And I, I think at one point some of his hair had been like braided, but we, we filmed before the braiding was done. So it's like half of his head was braided. That, that might be the guy that you're thinking of, but I, I was not in that. Maybe I was the cameraman for that. You up with one of your stars. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It's still don't confuse Tim uh, with the talent, baby. <laughs> it it still it still resonates. Uh, no, because there's another. You know what? I'll move on. I'll move on. Can we please hear more from you about your video projects and the role they played in in your life? My slightly embarrassed but ready to answer the question, friend. <laughs> that that yeah that that's a good description. There there were, as I said, not as many, there were some opportunities for kind of creative stuff. There's a lot of theater in that town. Um, but in terms of having your own projects and starting from the ground up and, and doing weird things, uh, I was, uh, there weren't a lot of opportunities to just kind of like make your own stuff. And, and digital video was something that was very difficult to kind of, do at all at that point. YouTube was not around as a distribution channel. And so that was, that certainly was something that for that point in my life, being able to actually put a project together and get folks on board and make something. And then, oh God, I can't even remember how we distributed. There was some, there were some film upload sites that you could, you know, with your dial-up modem, you could you could spend four hours getting two minutes of video. If for the listener, if you don't know what Napster is, you will not understand so much of this. <laughs> uh, if you do understand what Napster is, this is pre-Napster. <laughs> it was a different was internet back that, then. I think it was about that. Uh, time period was when that was coming out because I remember it was kind of turn of the millennium when they uh, when when they started cracking down on those things. You would have killed if your like timeline was around when like uh, what's the the TikTok started coming up. YouTube as well for sure, but like TikTok with the is that two minutes or I don't know how those things work, but. You would have killed with some of this like extra reach technology for the style of video. You're so the watching your projects very much like reminds me of those low budget like TV shows that were the dramas and the comedies of my childhood. Watching on like fucking Roseanne, like it was <laughs> just super like that was that was a high budget, but but like it's really simple type of thing. I'm not saying that your shot was like Roseanne. You guys were more like the the <laughs> co the the Gatorade commercial where they're coming at you like supercharged. Uh supercharged. 
high energy. You had like the background techno music going for that particular one too. And then like these small little slowdowns to like have a dude mack on a girl. Like there was some, uh, there, you had some uh, particular visions that you were able to pull off for that one. But uh, what, what are some other projects and like, how'd you keep getting at it? How'd you find your, uh, how'd you find your project people? Before we move on, I want, I want to say that like those projects, the the thin plot movies were were totally collaborative. That was like I had the camera. We had guys who were who were doing the fighting and were choreographing themselves fighting, uh, and they they did so much of that work. And I was saying like, well, maybe I could shoot it from over here. So to say that like my vision created that project is is misleading. But uh, it it was it was definitely cool to be a part of. You additionally, uh, with some of your films, in, in terms of more contemporary stuff that you've done, you recently had a short film that you created that aired at a uh, that was screened at a small festival. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? And and I will note that we are on the verge of a major Hollywood theatrical release that may or well is not technically affiliated <laughs> with your film. But uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about a, a little project called Dune Suede? Uh, yeah, the um, so the just just to just to just to backtrack uh, that we we all we all knew each other from the darkroom. Uh, it's it's been mentioned at least a couple of times on the on the show. But one of the things that the darkroom specialized in was uh, super low budget stage adaptations of big budget uh movies and the first one that i was ever involved in those were parodies those were absolutely parody purposes yes Uh, but the the first the first show that i ever did at the dark room was uh i i played a bunch of different aliens in star wars and that the joke at the time was that we were doing star wars with a hundred dollars of effects budget and and shout out to jen forniatis for for putting that together Uh, big jim also, for any lawyers or uh, you know money people listening, this is all parody. It was no more than thirty percent of the original show, and seventy percent was ch- totally changed for comedy purposes. And it was we were purposes. we were we were making fun of what we were adapting as much as as adapting anything. Uh, that that one we the the Lucasfilm people uh, I know signed off on on Star Wars, and so we we were we were uh, solid on that one. But the that that so kind cool. of ethos of uh, that that ethos of saying like what what th- these are these are stories that, that we love and and you know we want to we want to uh, uh, make fun of ourselves and 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 the stories but try and like put together uh, projects of 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 that scope and magnitude uh, even if we don't have the budget uh, there was a, a movie in I think '08 that uh, was called uh, Be Kind Rewind. And it's about these guys who accidentally erase a bunch of videotapes and then have to pretend that, that they have the VHS copies. So they get a camcorder and they recreate with cardboard and whatever they have lying around. Yeah. I, uh, recently most re-watched most that movie. I recently rewatched it. I recently rewatched it. Jack Black. It's most deaf yeah. Jack Black, right? Yeah. Exactly. So good. Such a fun one. It's. It has aged nicely. I mean, it is a very heartfelt uh, film that really is about kindness at the end of the day uh, and bringing community together to make art, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, what I loved about it. 
and so much in the vein of the art that all of us uh, know each other, uh, having met creating it in, in this exact vein. Great reference movie, Tim. Well, that's what the film festival kind of pride kind of explains itself as. It's like if you don't know what the Sweden festival is, watch Be Kind Rewind. So there you go. <laughs> then, yeah, that's why that's why I bring it up is that um, in the movie the the excuse of why. You know, people are requesting, I want to rent such and such. Uh, but, oh, well, well, we'll have that VHS for you in like a couple of days. Uh, is because they have to send off for it from Sweden. And the joke in the movie is like, oh, these are Sweden films. And so that's the phrase that now has been applied to this subculture that we discovered uh, during lockdown, actually, of super low budget movie like recreations of kind of your your fever dream version of of uh this this big budget film that you saw and half remember um and so uh uh stan and i did did uh the first one that we did and uh a few more people thomas you got involved in in the second year we've done now three the most recent yeah. one uh is as as bailey as you mentioned uh we we made uh, Dune, the Dune Part One, which is the the first one that came out a couple years ago, uh, in uh, the under four minutes was was part of the the um, the mission statement uh, because there are some folks not too far away in Fresno that rented a movie theater and s invited submissions and said make these sweeted films, make super low budget films, and send them to us and we'll show them on the big screen and so we we, we got one in we, we i i went to awesome. fresno and uh, thomas you came along we, we both went and saw ourselves up on the big screen blast. along with a bunch of other folks just yeah. having a good time enjoying themselves making movies shout out to the sweated film festival and uh, can we put a link to dune sweated in the episode description sure <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah. We'll have that up there. That's going to be a lot of fun for the fans. That's going to be a lot of fun. For the dozens and dozens of you are all weirdos <laughs> fans out there. Um, We're big in Australia. <laughs> shout out to my that. aunt. Shout out to my aunt who's clearly leading that charge down Yeah. Thanks, Thomas's aunt. Hi, Sam. We love you. Shout out to my cousin in Australia who probably doesn't even listen to this show. <laughs> Hi, Were you going to say cousin. something? Were you going to say something, Tim? No, I just uh, I'm I'm excited that that you guys are international superstars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's true. It's true. All right. I'm sorry so, I haven't Tim. been showing you those checks, uh, oh, yeah. but I'll get on that, babe. Keep getting them checks, Stan, and, and get one for me while you're at it. Yeah. Um, yes, please. Yeah. Uh, so, Tim, one of the things uh, that you are known for as part of your uh, weirdoness uh, is your love of various sci-fi uh, series and properties. Uh, I know that you uh, are an aficionado of Star Trek The Next Generation. So, if I were to say to you, and I quote, Damak and Jalad at Tanagra, your answer is... When the walls fell. <laughs> I know that one. Yeah, yeah. 
Picard and Jesus. <laughs> Even I know that one. Come on. She caught your ball. <laughs> <laughs> when the walls fell, uh what's the other well, it's it's Picard and and Dathan at Eladrell is is the the what happens in the episode, but yep. um, yeah, there's 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 various uh, uh, phrases of the of the Tanagran language that um, I am familiar with to this day. Uh, that's a classic, certainly. What what is your favorite uh, TNG episode? Uh, I mean, that's that that one in particular is is up there. I um, Stan, you you were. I think passingly familiar with Star Trek uh, for a long time. Tim Tim definitely uh, introduced me to it. I mean, I, I knew, like, Data and stuff, but I didn't really sit down and watch it until it was, uh, until a couple of years ago, really. I think that might have been the first episode that I showed you. Like, that, it's not going to be in continuity. You're, you, you're not going to know who all of these people are, but this concept of uh, reaching out and... and learning to understand something that you, you you didn't know before is something that is so critical to the way that Star Trek contributed to raising me. All right. So you know the catalog of TNG better than I do. I know that I believe it was either the first or the second season of TNG. There was a writer's strike in Hollywood and they were essentially using, uh, shall we say, some scripts that maybe were not ready for primetime. And then later in the series, uh, most fans tend to agree that the uh, the episodes got better. Um, is that something that you notice? Like, are there is, is there like a stretch of the series where you're like, eh, it's not as good. It's the writer strike episodes. In well, it it's also when when I was growing up, these were all just in syndication, and you yeah. could there were new episodes, but you could also catch reruns, and it was not entirely clear could because we didn't have the internet, uh, which was when. Uh, there is a book that came out called uh, the uh, Star Trek Next Generation Companion, uh, and in that you could see information about every episode in order. There was uh, plot summaries and behind-the-scenes information, uh, which I read from cover to cover. They they came out with a new edition after the, the series ended that included the last couple of seasons. Uh, it has been so long since then, and... Um, I mentioned before we started recording that, like, I have there. There's so much more Star Trek now that it's overwhelming, even to me, that I, I kind of have have lost track. But um, looking back, and and as an adult with a critical eye, and showing Stan Next Generation in particular, there is a there's a there's a definite sense of the the writers figuring out how to make Star Trek. And at that point, there hadn't been Star Trek on TV in 20 years. Uh, the Next Generation came kind of out of nowhere and at a point where um, Gene Roddenberry, who's the, the show creator, had really kind of stepped up his embrace of some of the ideas that were in the original series but uh, weren't as explicit in terms of... Uh, and I, the, the, this is off of my recollection, and, but in terms of the degree to which um, the 
crew of the Enterprise doesn't solve conflicts through violence. Um, the conflict is never among members of the crew because those kinds of petty squabbles should no longer exist in this idealized future. These are the kinds of constraints that these writers were given, and some of them were coming back from the original series, and some, some of them were, were new and up-and-coming writers. Um, but it really took them until kind of like the third season to figure out how to functionally tell uh, uh, fully realized stories, despite the fact that people can disagree without bickering. And those kinds of things are... are Things that they discovered and and well-meaning people can be Working on two sides of the same issue, but yeah, you know, people can disagree and be on two sides of an issue, and nobody's a bad person for disagreeing. And that's something that like the the, the writers kind of figured out uh, over the course of the show. And certainly the like production values and things in the first couple of seasons are are a little difficult to watch going looking back on and and they figured out some stuff as they went along listen um, that weird ghost fucking episode was like way into the series okay so let's not go into <laughs> and true hardcore fans know which episode i'm talking about that's all i'm gonna say I still think the weirdest thing they did in the Star Trek universe was on Voyager when they kept a guy alive with holographic lungs. But, uh, you know, that's that's my stretching the boundaries of science fiction for Star Trek. Yeah, uh, the, there were there were times as the as the series grew on, I feel like. And, and this is this is me kind of um, talking about like how I uh, kind of keep, fell out of fandom to a certain extent is like the the continuity of Star Trek continues to exist from 1965 or 66, yep. you know, to when they say the, the eugenics wars of the late nineties and they say <laughs> that, that like the world of that timeline is not the timeline that we exist in as, as, we live and breathe in the world in, in the year 2024. Um, I, I, you don't say like you, you mean can... we don't get along collectively and work together to solve problems as a species. Well, we they, don't do that. Even, even in, in Star Trek, they don't promise that that happens for several hundred years, but partly it happens as a result of world war three. So there are, That's there the are Star Trek events... backstory we've been missing. Yeah, well, there there are events that are are part of the history of Star Trek which have not occurred. We can look around and say that like those those events that they look back on clearly have not happened. But the 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 technological kind of creep the, in in terms of like Voyager and things that they have they have all of these technologies and there are so many episodes about discovering a new ability to do something new with the technology. And if you have, if you are as a, as a writer, again, are, are working in a world where so many things have been established that they are possible, it becomes very difficult to create new constraints to tell stories and not just say, well, we could, everything's a hologram. Uh, we could just do anything with anything. Um, and that, that was kind of the point where I stopped watching Star Trek. And they've, they've <laughs> since gone back and there've been a lot of prequels to those 
that part of the timeline and say like, okay, they could do too much with anything. We're just going to talk about, you know, before the original series or, or these points in the timeline that they can kind of re- use the, the, the fandom and, and people who are nostalgic for those uh, characters and those, those points in the timeline to continue to make, to make more Star Trek, which is fine, but I, I feel like we could just make a new thing and uh, then we don't have the, 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 to explain why the, the events that are established in the Star Trek timeline didn't happen. There, there are these things that uh, we, 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 don't, we don't need the 50 years of, of backstory to explain. <laughs> but let me ask you, uh, I have one more Star Trek uh, question for you, uh, specifically re- related to TNG. So one of my favorite characters in all of Star Trek uh, is Q. And, you know, the great John DeLancey, of course, played Q on TNG. Shout out to John DeLancey. I'm sure he listens. Uh, But uh, I wanted to ask you, as someone who um, loves that series, how much do you think Q's, the character Q's legacy, has sort of been tarnished by real-life conspiracy theorists who are searching for a mythical person named Q? (laughs) Um... I would like to refer you first of all to um, the uh, gadget master in uh, James Bond. Ah, yeah, okay, fair, fair. So there's more than uh, one there, Q. That's fair. Yeah, there um, there are multiple references. That you know, the letters can mean all kinds of things, uh, as Elon Musk has uh, established Ugh. with his with his X uh, company. Um, I I. I don't that's think that EX that's... company soon enough, but I, I no, yeah. EX company. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think that, um, that, that people are conflating those two ideas. Uh, probably there, there are memes that exist that, uh, find that Venn diagram, but I, I, I wouldn't expect that people who now watch Star Trek are saying, gosh, why are they referencing that weird conspiracy theory? All right, so in previous episodes, uh, Stan has told us some stories about working at various theaters around San Francisco. And I know you do the same. You're a house manager. You're an usher. You work at different uh, theaters for night of show. Um, Do you have any really good, wacky uh, house managing at small theater in San Francisco stories? I mean, Stan gave us the, hey, can we stand here and smoke crack story, which I thought was pretty good. But uh, do you have any kind of an equivalent story you'd like to share with us? Uh. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is is uh, a story that I was reminded of at a show that I was working last night. Is that people were were coming in late and going, "Oh, my wife's already inside." Uh, that was there. There were there were spouses of uh, audience members that were in the first half of the show, and then during intermission, they were coming around and coming in and and joining the the audience. Uh, but it did remind me of a time. This is probably five like. Pre-pandemic, so probably about five years ago, um, and I believe it was on St. Patrick's Day, but there was a guy who showed up two hours late to a show. He had a ticket. The ticket was fine, but uh, he said, oh, my wife's already inside. I said, you know, the, the show's been going for two hours. You're, you're very late. There's only like 20 minutes left of the show. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. 
uh, and I, I realized <laughs> it was, it was a uh, some I can't My Fair Lady or some kind of a little bit kind of stuffy musical or something. Uh, and I what I suspect is that he had gone and done St. Patrick's Day, yeah, and his wife hour. had gone to the show, and that uh, he was just basically coming to meet her at the end of the show. He was not interested in watching at any point. Uh, so he so showed was, up at Irish intermission. Is that what you're telling yeah. me? <laughs> Apologies to our Irish viewers. Mm-hmm. I could say that. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> you can make all the Greek jokes you like. Only one Irishman here. <laughs> all right. Bye. Uh, I'm like a Euro mutt, so I can make fun of all things. Pasty. You're a good mutt. We like you. You're a good mutt. Anything like above makes... a certain latitude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Any any place where they're reliant upon, like, the ice fishing or sunblock, I can talk <laughs> shit. Any sort of generic Nordic honky, you can just put <laughs> Thomas on, on the... I can cap on that list. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, are you allowed to use that word, John? <laughs> I use the word honky? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I'm not, who is? <laughs> like... Come on. Look at this face. <laughs> that face looks like if you were missing, they'd put it on the mayonnaise. <laughs> Try and get you back. Tim, I want to ask you, because you were talking about Star Trek films, your Sweden films. Will we see a Star Trek Swede from you? Ooh. Uh, you know, the... I, I've been debating because um, we, you know, Thomas and I went to um, the Sweden Film Festival in Fresno uh, this past December, and we, we saw ourselves on the big screen. Uh, that they announced is the last time that they're going to do that particular event. Oh no! Uh, so we we've been in this now three times. There was one during lockdown where they did not rent a theater, but they set up a screen in a parking lot and showed that. Uh, that was the first the, the movie that uh, Stan and I made. Uh, which I would was love Snowpiercer. a drive-in film festival. My goodness, oh, yeah. I would love a drive-in. I mean, film festival. we could set that up. That that's you know, I, just yeah. contact the Fresno people and say like, the the forward forward this to all of your people. Uh, but without having that kind of deadline and that goal to, to strive for, it's 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 not as enticing to do that particular genre of stuff. So. We'll see what uh, what the next project is. Uh, there'll definitely be something at some point. That was one of my favorite things they did during the pandemic was they did the drive-in movie nights at Fort Mason, and shout out to them for that because mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I saw Trading Places in the drive-thru at Fort Mason. It was epic. Fuck yeah. What a great, mo- what a great movie to give the people during a pandemic. Can I tell you, it's a great movie, but there's one scene in Trading Places that really has aged poorly, which is Dan Aykroyd in blackface, which really puts a damper on the film, unfortunately. And if you just cut that one yeah. thing. It doesn't even really go anywhere, right? It wouldn't be considered necessary at this time, but at that time, it was not... A consideration. It was just like a part of characterization, but it, it definitely <laughs> ages poorly. That movie becomes completely irrelevant with the existence of email, because you don't have to, all you had to do is email the farm report. It's all you had to do. 
that whole train sequence goes away. We never see Jamie Lee and Lederhosen. You know, like none of it happens because he could just email the damn farm report. Well, I'll I'll, I'll go one uh, further with uh, with that concept is uh, none of Star Wars would happen without email. All, all of it, it, Princess Leia transporting the stolen Death Star plans is what sets off the, the, the entire original trilogy. And if she could just email that stuff, she never gets intercepted by Darth Vader. Uh, none of the rest of the events of the story happen. But didn't the Empire control the communication signals if she tried to transmit it? I mean, maybe. If they're authoritarian, maybe. Oh, possibly. The communication could have been intercepted, so she relies on robots. Um, in in the wizarding world, it's owls. What other forms of uh, communication exist in the like weirdo ethos? Uh, oh, that 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 email would absolutely destroy. They had crows in um, Game of Thrones. Oh, send send a raven. Yeah, that. Ravens. Necros. Send a raven. One of my favorite ones, and, and this is really dating myself, um, uh, in 1994, they released a film version of The Shadow with Alec Baldwin, and they had all the pneumatic tubes sending everything everywhere. I thought the pneumatic tube thing was really cool. The, that's just... I fucking love that kind of shit. <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I actually still remember going to uh, City Hall and watching that you take the tour as a kid for with your class and they had the tubes that still worked in the building that they got to demonstrate so they put a oh, package yeah. in one of the little things and shot it up those things were awesome they're still cool hell yeah shoot that down to the mailroom shoot it down to the mailroom so you mentioned city hall uh for the listeners just so you know so uh my wife and i actually got married at City Hall. And here's the fun fact I'm going to reveal for the listeners. Uh, when Tim and Stan got married, I performed the wedding vows. That's right. Rev Bales. Uh, and well, you officiated. Think, we performed the vow. We said the I vows. I officiated. That Ooh. is correct. <laughs> just and, well, let me tell you, that is... Their wedding uh, just, was not about you, sir. No, but it was a lifetime <laughs> highlight for me to be able to actually... Per- I had always wanted to do wedding vows. I always perform a wedding ceremony. Officiate. So I online. I got an- Officiate is the you. word. Come on. I always wanted to officiate a wedding. I got the chance to do it. Um, I went long. Big surprise. Uh, and uh, that was, you know, uh, just something I really enjoyed uh, being a part of. So I want to thank you guys again for uh, your daughter. Me do that. Absolutely, and your daughter heckling you during the ceremony was definitely <laughs> one of the highlight for us all. Top top ten highlight. <laughs> you gotta ask if someone objects. You gotta ask. You gotta ask if someone objects. I forgot to ask the party. If anyone <laughs> that was good. That was good. Hold your peace. Then, I, Tim, Tim, do, the, do, do it, it again. Do, do, do it again. How'd she do it? Does anyone object? <laughs> she just really You're doing wanted it wrong, someone... Dad. <laughs> no, because I remember, I remember it where he skips over that part. Because uh, you guys had a beautiful ceremony. You two were so sweet to one another. Uh, so happy for you guys. It was a great time. Uh, Bales is is getting caught up in the moment and going long, and then he's trying to hustle up because he can see that he went long. 
and he's trying to go, I now pronounce you, and then he gets cut off by his little one who goes, you didn't ask if anyone objects. (laughs) I think there's a part of her that just really craved the drama of having someone actually objected to winning just to be able to see it. I think she just wanted to create the possibility for that oh, yeah. excitement. No. Yeah. Z- no, your daughter is like little chaos gremlin, just like to- Uncle Thomas with his $2 oh, bills. Hey, whoa, ah. whoa. Whoa. Oh, Thomas, did okay, you include a $2 bill in your wedding gift uh, to, to San and Tim in the card, did you? <laughs> Look here, okay. The $2 bill slander from all of you surrounding people is audacious, disrespectful, and flat-out irrational, okay? Paper money, okay? You talk to the people who work at the Mint, and they might not print them anymore, but it's real commerce, okay, people? You might not have a slot in the cash register for it, but... Most of the time, you use an Apple Pay anyway, so... Is it one of those things where it costs more to print than it's actually worth? No, it's more (laughs) efficient than the dollar bill. And at this point, you might as well phase out the dollar bill. You can't get a fucking candy bar for a dollar. So what are we doing here, okay? Oh, but you $2 bills and and coins. Or, as a country, we make the shift to doubloons. You know, Thomas, by advocating for the $2 bill to replace the $1 bill, you are out here actively fighting for inflation. I just want to point that out. You're the one no, driving up no, prices on everything. No, 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 no. I am acknowledging reality as it stands. When the fuck have you gotten a price cut on the standard of things, okay? Don't look at me like I'm crazy. I accept reality as it's served up. You people are over here questioning what real money is. Get out of town. Let's move on. I had another question for you, Tim. (laughs) Shout out to people who pay cash. (laughs) Tim, while we get you here, Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite Tim facts uh, was uh, your book. The Brain Ingredient, which was a unique twist on a zombie novel where you wrote from the zombie's perspective. And I kind of wanted to put you on the hot seat to talk about your book and maybe anything else that you might be working on uh, of late. Very, very quickly about uh, Brain Ingredient is um, the thing that I was saying earlier about kind of the, the way that growing up watching Star Trek had kind of trained me and, and given me the, the perspective to always try and reach out and see what is going on on the other side of a, a, a conflict or a conversation and uh, where, where are these other people coming from? And so... Uh, there was a point where I started working on zombie stuff. Zombies were starting to get uh, big. This is, I think, pre the Walking Dead TV show. Uh, this is a while ago I was working on this. Um, and so the idea, the challenge of saying, like, what's 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 going on in that guy's head? Uh, that was something that, that really interested me. And, and that was an interesting challenge uh, to kind of show both of all, of all the conflicts that you would think would be one-sided it would be humans versus zombies 
and to to be able to show both sides of that conflict was 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 a fun challenge for me. Nice man, yeah, it was a great read. I loved the take. Um, but but I also wanted to uh, since you bring it up, um, there's a story that I wrote um, a few years ago, uh, which actually just got published and you guys don't know this uh there's a website Ooh. that um contacted me because i've been sending the story out uh contacted me a while ago and said well originally i'd sent it out they said we like it but we don't really have like space for it in our current issue but like you know we'll we'll, we'll keep you in mind and then they got in touch i think what end yeah like end of last year and said Hey, we still, is that story still available? Uh, and it's a story that I wrote uh, a while back called A Poor Player. And it's about uh, an actor in a super low budget stage production, a stage adaptation, in this case of Pulp Fiction. Talk about writing what you know. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a story that's set very much in a darkroom-esque uh, venue uh, with, community theater actors like we we all were um however it's a science fiction story in that this is a world where people can send messages back in time and so theater theater is still respected theater is a sacred time where we don't like we don't record theater and send the recordings back in time it's just not done however there are rumors about this particular show that things go wrong and so it's from the perspective of this actor who has it on good authority from the future that something will go wrong with this opening night. And so the, the kind of conflict between, like, we know that the script is the script and you follow the script and things are just going to play out however they play out. But this night is, is going to be unexpected is, is something that I, I really had fun playing with. Uh, and that's, that's a, a story that just... Uh, was was just published uh, a few days ago. Well, congratulations, Tim. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the episode description as well. That's yeah. great. Put a link to that in my text messages immediately, sir. I know what I'm doing <laughs> after we're done here. Right on. All right. So before we wrap up here, uh, Stan, we've got your man mm-hmm. on the pod. So yes. I'm going to give you the opportunity as as courtesy. Um, uh, to, to the wife in this marriage here. Uh, Stan, is there anything that you would like to ask your husband on the record here on the podcast? How much do you love me, honey? This, this, this much. Yay. Softball Yay. question, by the way. Softball <laughs> question, but we'll take it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know what side my bread is buttered on. Come on. All right. Cutting <laughs> edge news here, folks. This married couple loves each other. Edgy material there. <laughs> yep. All right. So then, Tim, let's do the same to you. You have been, as we said, the number one uh, fan and supporter of this podcast. Do you have any uh, fan mail that you would like to ask us here on the show right now? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no, nothing springs to mind. Uh, however, I do want to thank you guys for, for doing the show. Um and in particular, I had an experience when uh, the first kind of like first couple episodes were were being edited, and and Bales, you had sent out like here's a here's a test 
version of this and does it sound okay um stan and i had a a a road trip that we listened to the the first episode in the car and that you know how how better to test a podcast than you're you're driving and you're listening to a podcast uh however i had the pleasure of hearing stan laugh in the show and sitting next to me in the car at the same time. So I'd stay in lap. I, I spend my life seeking the, the, the joy that she experiences in, in those moments and being able to experience it in stereo was a unique pleasure for me. So I, I appreciate you guys uh, making that opportunity, giving, giving me the chance to, to have that experience. This guy. Art imitates life apparently or vice versa. I, I think that that is um, a really great place to uh, to cap this. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for for being on the show, for being uh, a weirdo that that we all love. Uh, thank you uh, for being such a good man to Stan. Uh, we love you for that, and 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 you two deserve each other. And uh, again, you know, I, I think. Helping you guys execute your marriage is one of the better things I think I've ever done. So, uh, oh my God, just make your own beautiful words. Uh, so deflating because you bring it back. You guys are awesome. Thanks for bringing all of us joy, especially that one time I got to do this thing. (laughs) In the immortal words of Rizzo the Rat, thank you for making me a part of this. Your rat voice was the sweetest thing you said. That's so wild, man. Tim, this has been awesome. Thanks. It's so good to hear about you. Right on. And can you can you one more time, uh, just by by chance, uh, what was your new article? We'll have a link for that, and then um, could we also put a potential link to uh, the brain ingredient uh, for anybody who might be interested? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a, a novella, which was uh, self-published at least 10 years ago now, uh, but it's available online as a, like an ebook for 99 cents, some places, I think. Making the big bucks. Yeah. Um, and the, the story that uh, just got published is called A Poor Player. And that's a Shakespeare reference for those of you who don't know. And w- but, uh, I thought that was about me playing poker. No. Yeah. <laughs> no sass at all in that Shakespeare reference. That's a, that's a poor sport, I think, is is you playing <laughs> poker. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, on that note, I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here. Uh, Tim, thanks for coming to the show. We'll have you on again uh, real soon, and I think we will uh, call this uh, an episode. Uh, so thanks to everybody for uh, for tuning in and. Uh, We'll be back with more next week. Good night, weirdos. Bye. Bye. I could be persuaded. I could be trusted. Never been lied.